0: Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50
0: pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How come you a suspect?
0: The
1: two killers of 16 year old Rihanna Jai have just been sentenced.
2: We now can tell you that they are Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe, both of them 16 years old. Uh,
1: there we have it. The sentence handed down there
0: by Mrs. Justice Yip uh, for the murder of
3: Brianna Giles.
1: Please take the defendants to the cells.
2: Today, Liz, we've got a really special extended episode of the podcast to bring because we're lucky enough to have a truly exceptional woman as our
1: guest, Brianna's mother, Esther Jai. Yes, we're really privileged to sit down with Esther, who agreed to give us her first long form audio interview on Tuesday this week, just a few days before the anniversary of Brianna's death on Sunday. Yeah, she gave us a whole day of her time to chat to us in depth about her
2: daughter, the moment she realised that she'd been taken from her, all the emotions she's been through over the past 12 months, and of course, how she has now thrown herself into campaigning for new legislation for better regulation of mobile phones and social media for children, and more teachers trained in mindfulness in UK schools.
1: Welcome to episode 15, Esther Jai a mother's story. We are so pleased to have Esther with us today. Over the past few days since the sentencing, you know, a lot of the talk has been about the perpetrators of this terrible crime, but we are so I feel so privileged really to have you here, esther, to talk to us about your daughter and you know uh, tell us a bit more about her so we're here a couple of days before um the anniversary. Do you want to just talk us through um, how you've coped following the sentencing and what you're planning to do um, to mark that anniversary on sunday
3: um overall i'm I'm feeling okay um I think that everything that I've been concentrating on and um, pushing forward for positive change has been really helping me obviously I get days where I'm not feeling so great but those as times going on they're getting few and far between Um, on Sunday that will be the anniversary of Brianna's death and we're going to um, be doing a vigil in Warrington Town Centre I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of people there so that if Brianna can see, she can see how much she's loved.
1: And I think you said to me earlier that you, you feel
3: like she's still with you. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I always feel like I can see signs that, that sort of Brianna's sending me. So every time that there's a significant point, there's this pink skies. So for example, when we had the verdict, I think that there was um, rainbow clouds, unusual rainbow yeah, clouds, yeah. and that was on the day of the verdict. Um, and then on the day of the sentencing there was pink skies Um after she passed away there were um, we've got lots of cherry blossoms in our local areas Just, they were blooming massively like I've never seen them so so big and bright and pink and pink was Brianna's favourite colour so um, yeah I, f- I feel like she is still there with me and I also feel like she's in a better she is in a better place now I, f- I get comfort to know that I think that she's OK and she's sending me these signs to tell me that she's happy she's all, and she's all right.
1: You're obviously going to go to the vigil. Uh, will you be speaking at the vigil or will some of
3: Brianna's friends be speaking at the vigil? There's a few of Brianna's friends that have written something. Um, I think that a couple might be reading if they feel up to it. I'm going to write something... And I'm not sure whether how, how I'm actually going to feel on the day. So I'll write something, and if I can't get on stage to to speak, then um, I'll get somebody else to read that out for me. But like my main priority for that day is that it's all about Brianna. Mm. Um, like she was, she she, she enjoyed attention, and that like, she always wanted to be famous. And um, yeah, I just want to make sure that she knows that that is it's for her. So- I want her friends to be there, and I want um, people to be able to be there and uh, remember Brianna for exactly what she is or who she was. So just tell us a bit about that person that you remember. She was absolutely hilarious. She was so funny. She had a... Sorry. um, Like, she had such an infectious laugh. Um, I always feel so... it's, It's so, like, bittersweet, you know, remembering this kind of stuff because... It, it sort of brings it highlights that I'm not going to see that again um she had such a good sense of humor and um yeah she was she was just so full of life and she loved life and she um she was also a normal teenager and she we would like come head to head over like what um her social media use and her on the phone, and she wouldn't she wouldn't allow me to look at, at her phone. And she was just a, a normal teenager, and um, yeah. But we, I, I miss I miss her so much, and it would just be. It, it would I'd just love to hear her voice again. Like I I, could, I go on my phone and I listen to, I, I've got like a few videos and I listen to her voice, you know, just to kind of yeah. help me remember sometimes i just go through just to hear a a laugh it was it was such a quirky little laugh that she had Um, i was interested in you said about
2: obviously pink was such a massive thing she loved the color that's become a theme for you if you like of all key moments it seems to be surrounded by pink yeah um but you also said those signs seem to you to be a bit of a signal that she's telling you she's okay Mm -hmm. and she's in a better place i wonder just what you meant by that
3: because you know you want her back with you of course but why do you why do you think that so when brianna was with us she struggled with her mental health um even though she, she was quite she was quite complex so even though she came across as being really outgoing and um and she enjoyed attention she did have anxiety and um um, she was actually self-harming and she had an eating disorder um, after her death I, I was really really shocked to find out that she was on twitter and on twitter they have pro-anorexia and self-harming sites on there I, th- I think since the pandemic she was in she was like isolated and she had got she'd found these kind of things and she was um I would say kind of brainwashed into into doing that and thinking that that was a, a good thing to do. And you've talked about algorithms and yeah. you know, once you start looking at one of those, you know that your phone kind of, you know, pushes you towards that more and more. Yeah. So if so, if you are in a low place already and you are searching, like, how say if you search how to cope and then somebody says like, why don't you self-harm? It can relieve stress. Mm -hmm. And then once you've looked at that, you'll just be fed more and more of it. And I think that that's probably what did happen in Brianna's case. Um, And as a mother, it was a constant worry. Um, that she was going to harm herself. So she was hospitalised for not eating. She'd, she'd got to such a low weight. It, 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 was, it was a constant worry that she was putting herself at harm. And like I say, I didn't even realise that she was actually looking at these sites online. There's a fine line between protecting your children and, and respecting their privacy.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, such an impossible conundrum of how you know they're safe, and, and this is the, you've raised this so eloquently all week, how you know they're safe without invading their privacy, and it being a war zone at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's difficult, impossible for parents to always know what your kids are looking at. And and as you found, she was looking at things that could not have been good for her.
3: When somebody told me that she was on Twitter looking at this stuff, like I, I wasn't really... I wasn't on social media a lot. And I'm not great with technology. And... Um, I didn't even think that she would have been on Twitter, and I didn't know at all that this kind of stuff was going on on Twitter. Um, but now, after, after hearing about that and obviously putting myself like in the, in the public eye and doing interviews, when I've looked on Twitter, the, um, the comments are absolutely disgusting. Like There's some really horrific trans hate comments on Twitter um, aimed at Brianna after her death. Like don't get me wrong I'm all for free speech I think that and I think that yeah. it's really really great to hear other people's opinions and to, to debate on things and that's everybody's got a different perspective and it's good to understand yeah, yeah, other people yeah. but um yeah it's hate hey, it, it's not free speech it's it's something that doesn't need to be said
1: and obviously you say that you know there'll be a vigil on Sunday obviously that's a very public thing on Sunday is there will you be having some kind of time with your family to just think about it privately I mean are you planning on to go and see her at a grave or anything
3: like that um, so Brianna doesn't have a grave um I've got her ashes in in, like, in a cat in a pink casket I don't think I've told anybody this um, because I think I mentioned to you before that she didn't she didn't like but she loved being in a room she that that was she was always there and she was always. Um, in the pink pajamas, so because of that, I've got her ashes in her room, um, so she's always with us. Just take a minute. Yeah. Just take a minute, Esther. Brianna's room was an absolute mess. That was another <laughs> argument point. So I've, I've, um, I've just freshened it up a bit and decorated it, and um, just it was pink anyway. But she's got a fresh, fresh pink walls and. Um, yeah i've made it exactly how she would want it she always wanted a pink fluffy rug and i wouldn't let her have one because she always spilled stuff all <laughs> over her floor so she, but she's got a pink fluffy rug now um and yeah so I, I go in and i do i go in and and sit with her and um we've got like a picture wall with all of her of her pictures on it um just to remind me of like, happy times and um yeah it's, it's it's such a calm like a calming room as well so it feels it feels nice to be in there and to be to be sat you, with you said
2: before when we just paused actually that one of Brianna's really good friends said she wouldn't want to be in the
3: dirt yeah. she'd wanted to be at home with her with her family and yeah I couldn't leave her on her own
1: you talked about in a in your victim impact statement in court that she was a real home bird and that's what you struggled with initially that um the house was quiet, and you know she she wasn't there when you came home from work mm. just tell us a bit
3: about how were you kind of dealing with that it's, it was it was really really difficult at, at the beginning um because as you say she was she was a home bird, and when I came home from work, she would be there, and you could always hear a voice, even if she was in a room, she would be on FaceTime to one of her friends she, she was she was just a constant presence, yeah yeah chatting. <laughs> Like a, a way of dealing with it for me, um, so like for example, for at Christmas and these kind of um, points in the year, um, I've just made sure that we've done something different. So instead of we would always be home on Christmas morning, but instead of that, we've just we got straight out of the house and went to my mum's house and spent the morning with her, so that we don't notice that big like hole.
2: We're going to talk about the day this happened the day she died the day she was taken from you but i wonder whether you could what you remember of anything about the days before or the weeks before and and how she was and and what you remember about
3: just just the days before that happened um, to be honest I can't. i really can't remember anything like before before that i feel like it's just like obviously the amount of trauma that i experienced from that day that's all I can remember, and I can't really remember, like, the, the run-up to it. Like, I can just remember that day like it was yesterday, but anything before that, no, I think, like, my my, my mind has just completely wiped everything.
2: What do you remember about the day and, and what you knew and when you knew?
3: Um, so, so, on that day... Um, Alicia and I went out to, um, I think we went ice skating or something, and Brianna didn't want to come. She wanted to stay at home. Like I said, she, she, she didn't like to leave the house. She wanted to be at home. We went to visit my mum, and whilst we were at my mum's, Brianna texted me to say that she was going out to meet Scarlett, um, and that she'd locked the dogs up. And what did you know about Scarlett
1: before then? Had, had you actually met her?
3: I hadn't met her. Um, Brianna had sent me, the, 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 she used to tell me that they would go to like McDonald's after school or the um, the shopping centre and she'd sent a picture of them both at one point um, but I'd never, she wasn't friends with her for a very long time I think they'd only known each other for maybe a couple of months um, and they weren't particularly close friends but still she was a friend that I trusted that she would be okay to go out with When you got the text and obviously
2: if you put that in the context of the fact that Brianna was often anxious and didn't like to go
3: out. I
2: don't know whether your heart lifted a little bit because you're thinking
3: she's going out. I was I was really really happy that she she was going out because, like I say, she she just she she was quite a recluse. She didn't want she didn't go out and she didn't socialise face to face. And I always worried how that would impact her because she got most of most of her socialisation online. Um, and I don't think that you can i don't i don't think that that is um like a replacement for face-to-face socialization like yeah. it's it's not the same um so i was always worried about how that was impacting her so when she did say that she was going to go out with Scarlett this day um i just i thought oh yeah she's 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 going to go out and she's going to have a lovely time and i think the weather was it wasn't raining it was quite nice for that day and i thought she's going to go out and get some fresh air um, and then later on, she texted me to say that she was on the bus and she was scared. Um, so she sent me a picture of her feet on the bus and she said that she was she was frightened because she was a bit anxious. But, but she
2: hadn't been on a bus on her own before. No,
3: no, and prior to that, because um, obviously she was in her last year at school, and I was a little bit concerned that she might... Like, I was thinking, how will she get to college and how will she do this? And, and I thought because she was on the bus, that she is going, she'll be OK. She'll be able to get to college. Oh so God. you're
2: thinking, you know, as as a mom does, this is a breakthrough because yeah.
1: she's going to go to college. Yeah, exactly. And that alleviated my worry, actually. So what what happened next? So, Ron, well, we heard from Alicia's victim impact statement that she was at home
3: mm-hmm. when the police called. So when we got home, um, I I took, I took the dogs out with my partner was, um, and we actually saw a lot of police cars, um, and we we were interested like if you see if you see this kind of thing it's like oh I wonder what has happened, um, like I never for one second thought that it would be Brianna. Um, and when we got back, there was police in our in our street as well. And I kind of, like, it sounds terrible now to say, but I kind of joked and said, because, because, Brianna, like she, she actually, before I left the house, I tried to ring her and the phone was off, but that wasn't unusual. Like, I, I paid for contracts for my kids and, and they'd hardly ever answer the phone to me. And I kind of joked on the way back to the house from walking the dog saying, um, like, Oh, if, if Brianna doesn't turn up soon, I'm going to have to ring, ring the police for her as well. And um, we turned the corner and the front door was open. And um, there were two policemen standing inside. And Alicia was, um, was stood on the stairs, like, looking, like, panicked. And um, I, I think the, the first thing that I said to the police was, oh, what has she done? Like obviously, it's, it's such a, I just a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to them, and um, they asked me to sit down, and I said, because I had all this stuff running through my mind, um, that I didn't want to sit down and just tell me, just tell me now. And he they said he found a body, and um, yeah, like, I, I just my 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 stomach sank and. Um, I don't, I don't think, I didn't cry straight away. And we went through um, to sit down at the dining table and I think I was just in complete shock. And um, then at one point the police said, you'll have to identify the body. And I just completely broke down and said, I don't want to, because it'll make it real.
0: Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems.
2: So did you know at that point that this wasn't an accident? Did they let you know what they thought, or were you in the dark for a while?
3: I can't remember how long I didn't know for, but at first I was told that, it, that she'd been she'd been found dead, and that there was. Um, she had injuries, but they didn't know whether she took her own life or whether it was... So I, I think that maybe the, the, the policeman that came round, he didn't know the exact details at this and was trying to tell me as probably as little as what he could so that he wasn't misinforming me. Um, it's such... It is such... Um, like, like, I can remember all of that so clear, but then the days afterwards, like, my time is just all, like, warped and I can't really remember exactly what happened when, it was a bit of a a mash in my brain but then like that night it's I think we were all in shock and we just kind of carried on like normal and I remember having such stupid thoughts like um, thinking because we had plans for the next day and thinking oh what am I going to do like do we cancel it do you know like just really really silly thoughts but I think it was just that shock. And then, obviously, the next day, when, when you wake up and you realise... Because I think sometimes you wake up and you think, oh, maybe maybe that didn't really happen. And then, um, obviously, just everything got completely cancelled. It was like, no, it's, it's, this is real, it's happened. Um, and, like, Alicia was so supportive, and I feel like we were, I've got a very a very close relationship with Alicia. Like, she's, she's my best friend. Um, and, um, yeah, for, for for a good few nights, we slept in the same bed together. We just didn't want to be be on our own. And you, I, I was really struck in your victim impact statement when
1: you said that you were, you'd were you kind of cup your ear to the wall so you could hear her voice on the other side of the wall.
3: Yeah, cos when Brianna was here, like I said, she was always at home and um, the wall is really thin between mine and her room. And, um, like, I, I'm really into mindfulness and meditation and... I, would have, I, had a, I was getting into a really good routine of meditating in the morning and in the evening. Um, she'd be on FaceTime to her friends in the evening when I'd go to meditate and I'd, have to, I'd be like shouting, saying, will you stop talking? Because I, and I, I want some quiet for meditating. And when I went into my room and I couldn't hear that, it's just... So I would put my ear against the wall and just really hope that... You know, almost hope that she would still be there. So you said the next
2: few days were a blur, it all seemed to happen at once. But obviously it did transpire that, you know, a school friend had been arrested and, and then another person that I, I assume you didn't know. Again, I'm, I'm assuming the police would have kept you up to date as much as possible, but I, I imagine you're just reeling.
3: Yeah, like I say, I can't really... I can't remember the first, say, at least the first month Um, I was just living one day to the next just really just surviving and one thing that I did try to do is I tried to carry on with like mindfulness and meditation because I knew that that would help me and I knew that um, I I knew that it would be good um, as well to go for walks every day um, because I'm I'm quite I'm into keeping healthy and and looking after myself and we will go for we'd go for walks every evening, um, me, Alicia and Wes. And um, again, um, it was pink skies like, every every evening when we were going for walks. It was pink skies. Um, it's kind of
1: visceral, isn't it? People, I mean, people talk about when you lose a child, that kind of visceral grief
3: that affects you physically, yeah. mentally, your whole body. It, it completely affected my body. I didn't even realise that grief could do such a thing. Like all side of um my body was swollen like my, my arm was sw- it, it all swelled up and um yeah it, it impacted it, you could there was all these physical signs of grief and I, I remember as well it was like day three and my eyes were absolutely out like out here They were so swollen because I was just constantly crying um yeah, just, it, it was absolutely, it was the, like I say, it was the worst time of yeah. my life and I don't think I'll ever experience anything. To, I hope I never experience anything like that again and I would never wish, any, wish that on anybody. And, yeah, if, if I can prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future to other pe- people or for parents, then I'll do all that I can.
2: I wonder at what point you realised, and, and whether it was a comfort, just the outpouring of love and support and and horror Mm -hmm. and then you realize just i mean you you knew she was amazing but you did you know everyone else all these thousands of people knew it too and then they were all
1: because it was nationwide yeah Yeah, vigils everywhere and then the
2: the community just
1: seemed to rally and i wonder whether that was like did you go to did you go to any of these or were you just it was it
3: too much. I went to one in Warrington, the Warrington Town Centre one, um, because a friend came down from Scotland to come as well, so I, I, I attended it with her. But it, I, I wasn't looking at the news or anything like that at the time. But Alicia's friends and some of my friends were sending me like screenshots of of what was actually happening, and I think there was there was like a, a schedule of of um, vigils that were happening wow. across. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, it, 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 that was a comfort. It was a comfort for me because I knew that Brianna would have liked that, she would have wanted that. Um, it just shows that humanity is good and that we, we can all rally around and we can all care, care for each other. There is that empathy and there is that compassion there still after something so horrific happening. And, and then,
1: obviously, you, you talked about the first month and then there was, obviously, the funeral... I was looking at pictures last night of the funeral actually. I, I was saying to you, um, the white horses and everyone dressed in pink. Um, just tell us a bit about that day. Yeah,
3: yeah, that that was also a blur too. Um but we wanted it to be special and we wanted it to to reflect Brianna's personality and it, like it, that again, you know, like even though it was so sad that was a day for her. Um Yeah, it it was such a blur and I remember waking up in the morning and just thinking that I just wish that day wasn't happening.
2: Esther, is it okay if we walk back a bit to when Brianna was born and, you know, her life as a baby, a toddler, um, a child growing up, what was she into, what was she like? You've talked about her being utterly hilarious um, and also really complex
3: as well, but maybe wind us back a little bit to when she was born she was quite hyperactive and I had to have eyes in the back of my head with her absolutely everybody loved her so a lot of the friends that I've got now are people that like I met at school or on the bus because um because she would speak to everybody and everyone would just she she, she was she was just so adorable I think when, when she was little she was fun loving and she was happy and she was um she was funny then as well and I think that even though she was, she was 16, she still had that, that part of her, the, the childlike part that she, that she had when she was little. Mm. When she was in the later years of primary school, my eldest daughter, it might, be, it might have been a bit earlier than that actually, my eldest daughter was really into gymnastics. And um, Brianna obviously looked up to her sister and she wanted to do gymnastics as well. So my eldest t- taught her how to do some gymnastics and she was so determined and she was actually really really talented so she she started gymnastics as well um and she would always get a medal in every competition that she did and she just she just had this determination I feel like Brianna if she was interested in something she would become really quite obsessed and she would want to do really well in that particular thing and she had that determination and what was her thing beam bars floor (laughs) tumbling tumbling was was her thing yeah she would just like it looks so easy as well I feel like I I could I could do it when I'm looking at her but then I'd (laughs) try to do a cartwheel and there's no chance but um yeah she was she was absolutely amazing at doing tumbling and just being able to do those flips like she was so strong and and um, supple and yeah they were both like I'd go to to the shopping centre with them both, um, with Brianna and Alicia, and they'd be doing flips and cartwheels down there. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, stop doing that, come and hold on to the trolley. And, yeah, they'd, um, they'd be all over the place doing gymnastics. But it was, I think it's, it's so important to, to, to have these kind of hobbies for um, yeah. kids as well.
2: Obviously, you talked about she got into gymnastics when she was at the later years of, of primary school, um, How how was she at school at at that point? I know later on she, you know, maybe wasn't so keen to go, but earlier on, like before lockdown, for example, and and in the earlier days, did she like school? Was she bright? Did she
3: like the subjects or was she not that bothered? I think she liked school for the social side of it. She was diagnosed with dyslexia and um, she was a, a, a later Age, she was diagnosed with um, ASD and ADHD. So I think that school was a bit of a struggle for her, but she, she loved to go to school to see her friends and to, um, you know, which, which got her into a bit of trouble, perhaps, that <laughs> she didn't <laughs> want to knuckle down and do her work. She would have rather had... Chasing away in, in yeah, class. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was before the pandemic. And um, post-pandemic, she um, when she didn't want to socialise, with with people and she just became this more anxious, reserved person. And but but prior to to the lockdowns and the pandemic, she was she was much more outgoing and she enjoyed going out. We're hearing that a lot about children, aren't we? Yeah. That that reluctance then to go back to school.
2: Schools, yeah. some classes being half empty. Mm-hmm. You say you saw a difference between pre-pandemic and then during the pandemic and then post?
3: A massive difference, yeah. And I I think that my eldest was more resilient than what Brianna was, Um, but it even impacted her. Um, So I think that even the most resilient kids were impacted by it, even even adults too. And I think that we underestimate the amount of trauma that it's actually caused people. Um, And I don't think that enough is being done to rectify what what has happened, and we've just all we've been expected to just crack on and and carry on That's like phenomenal.
1: this, yeah, yeah. Can you remember the time, or pinpoint the time that she came to you and said she was, um, you know, having
3: um, thoughts or was worried about her gender? To, to be honest, I can't remember exactly exactly what was said, and I can't. Do you know, like sometimes you can picture exactly what happened in your mind, but I can't. I really can't, and it wasn't that big of a thing for us as well like i think as a parent all you want is for your child to be happy and especially if if your child is going through you don't think that your child's particularly happy that like she like I say she she at the time she was she was anxious and she was feeling quite low and i just wanted her to be happy and anything that made her happy and safe i would like completely support but amazing that she had that that closeness to you that she wanted to talk to you? And I wonder what, it, how she broached it. Um, so I think it was around 2020, and she spoke to her sister first. Um, I thought that maybe she was, um, like, questioning the sexuality, um, so it didn't come as, as a massive surprise when she did um, come out as being trans to me. You might not have an answer to this. I just wonder whether...
2: Do you sort of put her anxiety, because obviously what you've described is a really carefree, vibrant, hilarious young person, you know, loving a sport and, and a sister and a friend. Um, lockdown comes and you see a big change. Yeah. When you look back now, do you know whether the change was because of lockdown or because of the sort of, the, the sort of thoughts around agenda gender that she was
3: dealing with or a bit of all of the above? I'm not I'm not sure how much her gender impacted the way that she felt because, like I say, she felt like she could be open enough and she felt that she could be who she was, so who she wanted to be, so she didn't have... I think maybe it impacts your mental health if you feel like you have to hide away and you don't feel like you've got that support. Um, I do think that the pandemic and lockdowns massively impacted her mental health, and I think the fact that she was socially isolated and also because I, I was working an hour an hour away, and I was a key worker, I couldn't stay at home and, and monitor. So she was at home on her own, and she had a, she had a phone, and um, she was living in this online world, and she was she wasn't socialising face to face with people, so she wasn't getting that. And she um, obviously, as we now know, she was looking at things that were quite disturbing, and. Um, yeah i think that all of this combined massively impacted the mental health and i think that a lot of young people have all been through this as well and i'm not like making myself out to be a perfect parent is like does such a thing exist like we, we we all we all struggle it doesn't come with a with a handbook um, and each each child is so different like from alicia to brianna they've like chalk and cheese they're completely different but i didn't know that she was on these sites looking at the the pro-anorexia and self-harm websites and how many parents out there perhaps don't know what if, if their child is accessing this kind of stuff and it's scary and I think this is why I'm calling for Uh, mobile phone companies to take more responsibility because as parents we're expected to work full time, we've got children to look after you've got to keep a house um, you've got to look perfect and it's just, there's all these societal pressures but now as well we're expected to monitor a child on a phone or a teenager on a phone 24-7 when kids are so much more tech savvy. They're
2: invested in the new sites, the new apps, the new Um, the new devices, and as you rightly said, they've spent a year living their life online. And suddenly we say, right, put that away and get back and start being normal again. And I'm interested because I think there's been an assumption made, Esther, that Brianna was struggling a lot because of her gender Mm -hmm. and that was the root of the anxiety. And what you seem to be saying is, actually, she'd found maybe a little bit of, uh, of comfort in the fact that you were completely supportive of whatever gender she wanted to be.
1: And she found support online, online through this in whole kind of like social media family, mm-hmm. but there was other pernicious kind of influences coming through off social media
3: that were affecting her mental health. Is, is it, Plus or, the impact it, of lockdown. Yeah, Yeah. I think as well that if you have been socially isolated for such a long time, than to be thrown into a school with hundreds of kids. Like Brianna being trans is, is one one part of her. The struggles that she had are the same struggles as, as what so many other kids are having. And I think that the mobile phone companies need to take more responsibility because I don't think that this responsibility should lie with the parents. Like it was the cause of so many arguments between me and Brianna, and I think that life is too short to be constantly battling with your kids. And When she went back into school, was that the first time she'd kind of gone into school with, you know, a
1: new identity? Or was that that not an issue for her?
3: It wasn't an issue for her. She was, this is, this is how, this is why she's so complex, and because she did, she had her anxiety and she had all, all, all of this, all of her struggles, but, um, she was also really, really outgoing and not afraid to be who she wanted to be and she had such a sharp tongue and she was yeah. really witty. And She changed her name. Was that just something that everyone just accepted?
2: I mean, obviously you did, Alicia did. Everyone was just supportive of that because she was so confident in that this was the right thing for her.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, all of her friends were really accepting and... School was really accepting and supportive. Yeah. Do you know why she picked Brianna? She wanted to be called, um, what did she say now? Brittany. I was like, there's no way that I'm going <laughs> to allow you to be called Brittany. <laughs> 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 so um, so we, we managed to compromise up with Brianna, yeah.
2: She wanted your, almost your, maybe help
3: on that, guidance on that, or approval? Um. I think Alicia had an input as well, so <laughs> maybe if it was only my input, she might not have really listened yeah. to me. But yeah, the fact that Alicia was was backing me up and saying you can't be called Brittany as well, but yeah, <laughs>
1: she, yeah.
3: Well, it sounds like they had a very close relationship. It does, yeah. And yeah, and like I, I was a single parent when they were growing up, and it was it we had it was just me and Alicia and Brianna, and um, they were. They were really close, don't get me wrong, they argued a lot as well, but I know that they loved each other, they really loved each other and um, Alicia could give Brianna some jip, but nobody yeah. else Nobody else was allowed to. Like. Yeah. yeah. So Alicia was that protective older sister and she. Yeah. I think that that's why she found it so difficult.
2: To sort of touch on that point and your own victim impact statement, we had uh, quite a lot of emails after your statement where people were saying breaks my heart that
3: Esther thinks she's let her down why do you think that um I think that that I was the only person that Brianna had and I was the one that was responsible sorry I was the person that was responsible for her and I was the one that should protect her and like she struggled so much when she when she was with me and I just I f- I just feel like I, I should have been able to do more and I should have been able to, to protect her and uh, you, you always look back on things and think maybe if I'd have done something differently then this wouldn't have happened, but...
1: I think there'll be a lot of people mm-hmm. saying, um, you know, it sounds like you're an amazing mum yeah. and you did, um, you know, nobody could have foreseen um, that, you know, one of her friends and another child could have done what they did to her, so...
3: Um, you really shouldn't feel like that yeah I think that sometimes we can be our worst critic and like there's been times obviously after her death where I wasn't campaigning and I did have that time and you do look back and you think maybe I should have done this or I I could have done that and I I think we all probably think that we could do better or we could do something different and it's just I'm just trying to have a bit more self-compassion and not be so hard on myself and the thing is is that I can't go back and I can't change the way that things were and 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 I know that you've talked about um your mindfulness which
1: obviously Mm. must help and I was really moved by what you said about not carrying hate um because it's uh you know it'll eat you up essentially I think is what you what, what you're saying um but I also heard you say that you know there's no way you could ever forgive um, Scarlett Jenkinson and Eddie Ratcliffe for, for obviously taking Brianna from you. Just tell us a bit more about those kind of feelings. I think most people will think it, it, it's so um, amazing of you to be able to say that you don't hate them.
3: Yeah, as, as you said though, it's holding on to hate is something that is only going to impact you. No matter how much hate I hold on to, it's not going to have an effect on them, um, and if I allow myself to be overcome with hate, then I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going to be able to be positive and look to the future and see what we can change. Um, and I do think it's important to to learn from things that happen in order to make a change and to see like where 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 are there issues that we could potentially tackle and we can make better and we can then hopefully prevent this kind of thing from happening again. I've got two choices. I could stay at home and be completely riddled with hate and want to get revenge, so to speak, or I can try to make a change and um, yeah, just use that energy as opposed to drive drive myself forward. You can't always stop yourself feeling like this in
2: this unbelievable trauma that you're sitting in so the strength of character that shows that you can get up and start working
3: for a better change is is extraordinary thank you I I, do you know I I really do believe that um, mindfulness has helped me with that um and so that's the other campaign that that I started at the beginning with the Warrington Guardian and um I'm aiming to get a mindfulness teacher in every school um, in in Warrington. I've now hit over £55,000 and I think with mindfulness, there's such a, a misunderstanding about it, about building mental fitness and um, the same way as if you went to the gym and you were lifting weights and like building building muscle and becoming like you getting a fit body it's getting a fit mind and it's having that mental resilience and that empathy towards others and and also as I mentioned before like self-compassion and I think that when you do practice mindfulness it it just helps you to understand yourself better and it helps you to notice those thoughts that might be negative and that that might not be productive and because sometimes you can just sit there and you can mull over the same thoughts over and over again and it's so easy to to do that and not really recognize that you are doing that but if you've got this kind of mindfulness practice and you've built a certain level of mental resilience you can then notice those thoughts and you can stop them like I've not always felt like this like when I was younger I, I had I went through quite a traumatic time when I was a teenager and um, I reacted completely differently. Um, so I, I, I think that having this mindfulness practice in place before what happened to Brianna, I just had that, me- that level of mental fitness that has been able to sort of take the impact and, and help me to, to be more positive and to...
1: Is that what you've drawn on then, when you, you talk about being open to meeting Scarlett Jenkinson's mother, for example, and feeling
3: like um, able to talk to her? What I mean what would you say to her like i I really really do feel so sorry for them um and I know how difficult it is to keep track of your children and even though even though it's it's your job to bring your child up correctly, like I completely agree with that, but ultimately they are their own. They're the wrong person. It's not you don't you can't you don't have complete control over another person. They've got their own mind and their own thoughts, and so I don't I don't necessarily think that the upbringing is reflected in the crime that they've committed. They have also lost a child, but they've not only lost a child, but they've also got that shame attached to it, and I think it's it's absolutely horrific what they're going through as well, and. I, I am I'm I'm just I I think it's an extremely sad situation for everybody and um like n- nobody would have wanted this to happen and your offer to speak to her is is still there. Yeah, yeah, definitely I, I would I'd like to speak to speak to her because I think that she will obviously be grieving as well and yeah, and I just want her to know that I obviously don't blame her. Like I said before about how I blame myself sometimes and I think I wish I could have done this differently, I wish I could have done that, I wish I hadn't have had this many arguments with her, I wish I hadn't have pushed her on this. I can't imagine what she's thinking. Okay, so you've obviously got all your campaigning now and, um,
2: you know, moving forward with so much positive change for people
3: around you, but there's a bit of positive change for you as well coming, I think. So I've been with Wes for um, almost 10 years now, it's over we 10 years in April and he, um, I've, got to, I've got to cry, I feel emotional now. <laughs> um like he's just, he's such a good man. And he was an amazing stepdad to both of the children. And um, yeah, he's been my complete rock throughout all this. I don't think that, I feel like with, without him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so strong. And um, yeah, we're going to be getting married in June. It was, it was very emotional when we went to see the venue because um, we walked down where, where I will walk down, like, for the ceremony, and, that like, in my mind, I just thought, like, Brianna isn't going to be there, and, um, um, yeah, she, she would have loved to have, to have been there to see me and Wes get, get married. But... Thank you so much, Esther. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking yeah, to thank us. thank you. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
2: There really isn't anything more that we can add, I don't think. Esther's compassion, her empathy, her courage and her amazing positivity speak volumes.
1: Yeah, Caroline, her words will, I'm sure, resonate with people all over the world. We did want to finish, though, um, didn't we, by helping Esther with a final push for her campaigns for positive change.
2: Yeah, you've heard all about what she wants to achieve in that interview there. So let's just tell you how you can help her. You can sign her petition calling for a change in the law to make mobile phone companies more responsible for children's online welfare.
1: It can be found at change.org. And you can also donate to her Peace in Mind campaign for mindfulness teachers in schools via the Brianna Jai Memorial GoFundMe site. And we're going to share links to both of these on our Twitter page. Don't forget, Jack and I will be back next week with more from the Old Bailey on the trial of Constance
2: Martin and Mark Gordon. You can leave us a comment on Spotify or even send us a voice note on WhatsApp 07796
1: 512 Start your message with the word trial. You can also read my write-up of Esther's interview on Mail Plus and in the Daily Mail on Saturday. In the meantime, you can follow us on X at the trial podcast and you can contact us, the trial, at mailmetromedia.co.uk.